Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi guys, welcome back to Feathers in My Hair. I want to start out by saying thank you very, very much to everybody that reached out to me last week. It was really nice. As I've said before, I'm just so grateful to have this platform, and I definitely woke up on Sunday morning and was like, yikes, I should have cut that out. And, you know, like, obviously I woke up at, like, 10 a.m., so this podcast had already been launched for, like, not launched, live for, like, three hours. (laughs) I mean, I still could have taken it down, edited it, put it back up, but then I got on my little Instagram, follow me at ebp underscore feathers got on my little Instagram and saw comments and already had messages and it was just really nice and great and I really, I really appreciate all of you. So let's not cry this week. (laughs) It's my goal for today is not to get on this podcast and cry this week, you know, and I think I can do it even though just like thinking about what I recorded last week makes me tear up a little bit. I still very much recommend that you guys listen to last week's This American Life episode. I think it was called War Stories. It's the first act. It's like 25 minutes long. Everybody that I told to listen to, including my brother, who is the least emotional person alive, told me that they like loved it and thought it was great and depressing. <laughs> so yeah, make sure you go make sure you go listen. Anyway, Teen Mom. As you can tell, it's just me this week. I think I'm going to try and get a guest on uh, for this coming week. Yeah, let me schedule that after. Let me get to scheduling that so that it can actually happen. But I really am looking forward to bringing some guests on. I feel like it's been a while since I've had a guest on this podcast. You know, where's the time gone? By the way, I'm reading the book Bad Blood about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos, and I like it, but I don't love it. I feel like everybody else is, like, obsessed with it, and it's, like, the craziest story to ever happen. Like, it is. It's, it, don't get me wrong, it's crazy, but there's something in the telling of it that's not... I'm listening to the audiobook, obviously, and I really like books on, like, scams and scammers and true crime crime. I mean, it is a crime, but like non-murder crimes, like scamming crimes. Does that make sense? Um, Or like drug crimes or whatever. Like America, comparing it to American Kingpin, which I probably talked about on this podcast. I read last year uh, about the guy who invented the Silk Road where you could buy drugs on the dark web, which I thought was like fucking fantastic compared to Bad Blood. To me, it just isn't that gripping of a story in book form. Uh, There's apparently a podcast about it right now, too, The Dropout. I haven't listened to that yet because I want to get through the book, but I'm finding the book a little slow going. It's just like, I don't know, I'm not fine. I find the contents of it very interesting. I just don't find the storytelling very interesting. This has literally nothing to do with Teen Mom, but I like to give book recommendations sometimes. (laughs) Also, if you guys have any, especially on Audible, 
any series that you like and you want to pass on to me, please do. Please come on my Instagram and either message me or leave a comment. Um, not like I hate like sci-fi and fantasy and I like a light fiction. I love just like an easy breezy light fiction. Chick flick, love, well I guess chick lit when it's a book. Love, um, yeah, if you have any good book recommends, please let me know, especially if they're on Audible. Although I am, I've gotten back into, I'm trying to get back into reading. Like, obviously I love my Kindle. It's great when you're traveling out by the pool. But I'm trying to get back into reading like physical books because my entire life I stare at a screen like literally 18 hours a day. I'm looking at either a computer or phone screen. So I'm trying really hard to get back into like looking at a piece of paper and reading it. And I'm making my way through The Secret History by Donna Tartt right now. Uh, I just finally read Goldfinch last year. I listened to it on audio and I loved Goldfinch. I loved it. But then I tried to listen to The Secret History audio and Donna Tartt is reading it herself. And let me tell you, there are a few things in life that enrage you more than an author narrating their own book. Um, being a a book narrator is like a professional career and voice actors is, are serious <laughs> and most authors are not good at it. I like it when it's like a comedian reading their memoir or an actor, but it's Donna Tartt, who's a Southern woman and the book is about like a 19-year-old from California. <laughs> so it's just a 19-year-old guy. So I'm like actually reading the physical version of it and of course I love it, although I like the Goldfinch better, I think. But anyway, so yeah, if you have any good audio book recommends, because of course my thing, I was like, I'm getting back into reading. So I bought like six hardcover books, well, print books that it's going to take me forever to get through them. So if you have any audible recommendations, please come and tell me. Anyway, anyway, this week in Team Mom News, Janelle is in New York for fashion week. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't really get it. <laughs> she looks good, I guess. Um, her and Ensley were in like a mother-daughter fashion show. I, I, I don't know. I don't get why she's doing it. It's also the first thing she's done in a while that's been like a publicity thing. So I'm wondering if she got a new manager. Uh, as you all know, well, maybe you don't all know, but as most people know, Janelle had this manager, Donnie. Donnie. Johnny Donovan for a while and he had her working like going on trips. Like he managed Farrah for a while. When I say working and going on trips, I mean like doing photo shoots at Buco de Beppo, which like, you know, you do you. Like you get paid for that family style meal. If I could get paid for Buco de Beppo, like please. Do you guys know I love chain restaurants? Like lo I fucking love a chain restaurant. I know I've talked about this on here. I haven't, I think I've only been to Buku de Beppo like once or twice, so I don't really have an opinion on it. But like, if I could do SponCon for fucking Olive Garden, oh God, that would be a true dream to me. Anyway, so yeah, Janelle's in New York for Fashion Week. I truly don't get it. She was running around with 90 Day Fiance people, which is a show I kind of watched. I watched before the 90 Days, like two seasons of it, I think, but I just don't watch that much TV anymore. I watch YouTube now. It's sick. <laughs> it's really, it's not right. It's not, it's not right. Although this week I did finally watch Dirty John. 
Um, I did love that Jacqueline, the only smart daughter that Deborah Newell has, made them change her name for the show. <laughs> the only one that was like, don't put my name on TV. I should have never done that podcast in the first place was our Queen Jacqueline. I liked her and John. I thought Connie Britton was very good, but she kind of did a weird voice throughout the whole thing that confused me. And I also did not think they did a good job making timelines clear. Like, we would be in a flashback, but there was literally nothing indicating we were in a flashback. And they wouldn't give us any idea of, like, when this flashback was taking place. Like, if the show is set in 2017, like, or 2016, like, why aren't they telling us that this flashback is in 1999? I don't know. It was very annoying. But I did like Dirty John. I thought it was good. It was worth watching. Obviously, the podcast was... Like, much better. That podcast blew me the fuck away the first time. Well, not the first time. The only time I listened to it. And it was like, I really didn't have spoilers for it. So it was awesome to listen to without the spoilers. But I like Dirty John. Anyway, I don't really watch TV that much. So, I mean, I'm not saying, like, I don't watch TV. Like, I'm busy doing something else that's, like, productive. I mean, I, like, watch YouTube videos from people I hate and people doing ASMR. But only no talking ASMR and no mouth sounds or eating. I just like tapping and like hair brushing, which really is embarrassing to admit. And if anybody ever found out, I was like, I mean, if anybody ever found out, I'm telling you guys. But like in my regular life, if like somebody caught me watching like a hair brushing video, I'd be really embarrassed. <laughs> but yeah, so Janelle's with the 90 Day Fiance people. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really get it. I don't get I don't get what she's doing there. <laughs> David's there with her being weird, creepy David. Lots of stuff. She gave lots of interviews this week about how unfair it is that we hate David and how he loves her. And it's like, oh, Janelle. Janelle, Janelle, Janelle. It's tough to watch. Anyway, this was kind of a boring episode of Teen Mom 2. But once again, kind of like I said last week, I didn't mind watching it. Just not that much is happening. And I'm trying to figure out what exactly is missing on this season. And I think part of it is Leah not really having that much going on. I really hope we get to see her and her boyfriend break up soon and then get back together. By the way, speaking of Dirty John... We're all on the same page that Leah's boyfriend is Dirty John, right? Walking around in those scrubs. Like, he is Dirty John. And really, like, bad optics for him. Although, I guess they filmed this before the Dirty John TV show came out. And, like, let's be real, he's no Eric Bana. Like, (laughs) no. Old Dime Eyes is not Eric Bana. But, it really... It's really not a good look for him. In a post-Dirty John world, you can't start dating a reality TV star and then just walk around in your scrubs all day. It's really shady. Is that his fault? Maybe not. But is it our truth? It absolutely is. Mm -mm. Somebody should have let him know not to do that. By the way, I, I truly can't remember anything I said last week, which I know I can never remember anything I said, but this is like above and beyond and I think you can all understand and appreciate why I like have no memory of anything I talked about last week but (laughs) 
His job is, he does have like a job that you would wear scrubs for. He works in medical supply sales. I've seen a lot of stuff online that says he works in pharma sales, but he doesn't. He works in medical supply sales. I went to high school with a girl that works in medical supply sales and she does very well for herself. It's a good career. And she will occasionally post like in an Instagram story or something that she's in scrubs. So I do know, and she's not a dirty John. (laughs) She's not dirty John. Uh, KP, if you're listening to this, you can text me to ask me who it is, but I think you might know. Um, she's not Dirty John at all. She's normal. and But I'll, she'll post stuff in scrubs. And I know she works in medical supply sales. And the reason is, is because you scrub into surgeries. Because when they use your um, medical supply stuff in surgery, do I sound like I know what I'm talking about? Because I only half know what I'm talking about. When they use your stuff in surgery, I guess, like, the sales rep will be in the surgery room. So, and they're in doctor's offices, and I guess part of the thing is just, like, wearing scrubs. But it just seems weird the amount of times he's wearing scrubs. (laughs) It's just very Dirty John. It's very Dirty John. Uh, Let's talk about Leah. We'll just start with Leah since I'm already on the Dirty John of it all. So, we're at Jason's house, Um, I think Leah moved in with Jason, like, immediately. I don't, I think she still has her own house at the point of filming right now in 2019. Do I think she still has her own house? Probably not. I also think we're going to be seeing a pregnancy announcement from them soon. I think they probably got back together right before the holidays because she got pregnant. Um, would be, like, I don't know this for sure, but it's just, like, a guess of mine that that's why they got back together and got so serious and were, like right away so serious still and I just I don't like him he's too comfortable you know at this point it's what September when they're filming they've really only been together since like May it's too much but I'm pretty sure that like the minute they got together Leah essentially moved in and like brought most of their stuff over to his house But they don't actually live there technically, and they have their own house. But I would guess the girls are there every day. Leah's there every day. And I wouldn't be surprised if now in February 2018, 2019, that she is living there. Is anybody else having trouble with the year 2019, calling it 2019? It's not flowing for me. Okay, so they're talking about Allie's upcoming medical appointment. She's going to see Dr. Tao, Dr. Sal how why do I forget how to say his name whatever Dr. Tao I think it's Dr. Sal wow hmm I'm not very smart today hmm okay um (laughs) and they are explain. Lee's explaining that the last visit actually went pretty bad if you remember last year she was having a ton of breathing problems and they were really worried about her lungs and she got the breathing machine which I am not that confident that Allie uses. Are you guys confident that Allie uses it? She's basically explaining muscular dystrophy to Jason and he says he doesn't know anything about it. And remember, he's like sitting in scrubs and that, I think that lends the dirty John of it all. And yes, I understand he's not a doctor and he didn't go to medical school. So there's like actually not a reason if he works in orthopedic medical supplies, let's say, like why would he know about Uh, muscular dystrophy. Although I'm sure orthopedic surgeons work on people with muscular dystrophy, but in general, let's say he works in something that just like, you know, there's no reason for him to know about muscular dystrophy. 
it does make him look shady that he's wearing scrubs, which gives off a doctor vibe. And then he doesn't know about a very common disease. Um, I don't know if my mind is... But, like, people know what muscular dystrophy is, right? Like, I grew up with somebody who has muscular dystrophy. Um, We went to school together when we were in elementary school, and we're still Facebook friends, and he's actually very good friends with one of my close friends from high school. So, and I've seen him recently, and so I, like, have always had a pretty good understanding of what muscular dystrophy is, like, for almost as long as I can remember because of him. So I don't know if my mind is just warped and if I had never knew him, like I might not have ever, huh. If I never knew him, I wonder if I really would have ever had a reason to learn what muscular dystrophy was before I started watching Teen Mom. But there's just something so weird. And I think everybody else is picking up on this. Like when he's wearing I'm a doctor scrubs, and that's the vibe that we're getting because as a society, we're trained to believe that if you're wearing scrubs, you're a doctor or a nurse. Even though I understand that non-doctors and nurses wear scrubs for different careers and professions. Like, I know my friend works in a chiropractor as the office manager, and she wears scrubs every day, and she doesn't even see clients. I guess they'd be called patients. She doesn't even see patients. She sits in her office and does billing and stuff, but it's just what their staff wears. I do get that. I do understand that. It just, that's how our, like, that's how my mind thinks. And I think that's how most mind thinks. And that's why Dirty John wore his medical scrubs all over the place. <laughs> so for him to, like, be in those scrubs and he's like, I don't, I don't even know what muscular dystrophy is. Also, he doesn't sound very smart. There's, like, there's nothing smart about him. Like, he doesn't give off any smart people vibes. Although I wonder if it's possible to give off smart people vibes on Teen Mom. Like, even if someone very, very, very intelligent came on Teen Mom, would they seem smart? Has anybody that seems smart ever been on this show? I don't think so. I'm If you can remember somebody that's been on Teen Mom or... Any reality show adjacent to Teen Mom or that's similar to Teen Mom, I want you to let me know if you can think of somebody smart. <laughs> I mean, Randy comes off pretty smart a lot of the times, I, I guess. Do I regret saying that already about four seconds after I said it? Yeah, of, of course I do. I just can't think of anybody that I watched and I'm like, damn, they're intelligent. And old Dime I Jason, like, really definitely, definitely doesn't do it for me. Although, like, nobody that smart would date Leah. That's rude, but it's the truth. I'm in a rude but truthful mood today, I think. I hope that, I hope that nobody is offended by my vibe. I can be a rude but truthful person often. It's something that I've learned to curb as I've grown up because I used to just kind of be rude to people all the time. And I realize people don't like that. It's not nice. It doesn't make you friends. <laughs> anyway, Leah says that she's never going to get better, but the goal is to prevent Allie from getting worse. I also don't like that Jason calls her Allie girl. He's too comfortable. He's too comfortable. And that's why people are getting like weird and creeped out. Weird and creepy vibes from him because it's not like Leah's been dating him for like two years and she just kept him off camera. Like they started dating like two to three months before they started filming and he's already like living with her children and using the family nicknames for them. It's just, it's not okay. Okay, so 
it's the day before the doctor and we get this scene of at this quick scene of Leah like packing and Allie's walking in heels and Leah's like take them off yeah I know you're just proving to me I can you can wear them and I wonder if that was like a weird little weird little clip from the editors let it to remind us that Allie shouldn't be wearing heels and then especially not before she goes to the doctor Oh my god. Oh my god. So, on the drive there, they're talking about the third grade, and Leah said that she checked Allie's grades, and she's doing really well, and she thinks she's going to get straight A's, and if Allie gets straight A's, she'll get 50 bucks from Leah. It was a nice scene. I was a little surprised. I guess there is third grade when you start getting grades. It just seems wild to me that like, a third grader would be worried about getting straight A's. That doesn't... I feel like we should leave that behind. I feel like we should really leave grades behind in all of elementary school. Do I have any sort of education to make this statement? No. Do I know shit about early childhood education? Of course not. Do I feel absolutely confident with this? A hundred percent. I don't know. I just... It's like... Allie and... They all seem so young, you know, these kids, I can't believe they're in third grade and they're going to get grades. None of them seem mature enough to be able to handle getting grades, I guess is my issue. Um, Allie said she likes her class. She likes the new aid, which is great and important. And Jason calls so he can FaceTime with Allie girl. No, 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 not okay. It's not, it's not right. They haven't even been dating six months yet, and he's, like, so ingrained in their lives that he's FaceTiming with Allie before her doctor's appointment. Like, I get calling Leah and being like, hey, I hope everything goes okay. Let Allie know I'm thinking of her. Or, like, on the speakerphone, like, Allie, I hope you have a good time. Or, like, I hope it goes well. But to fully be just, like, so immense in their life, like, this isn't Cole who's been with Aubrey now for five years. You know, it just, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. They're moving too fast because he's dirty johnning her. Yes, dirty johnning is now a verb. It's been a verb since the podcast, guys. I'm not sure what to tell you if you didn't know that. (laughs) Um, By the way, all I actually want to talk about right now is YouTube drama that's been going on this week. And I guess I'll record a bonus episode about it sometime this weekend. Maybe tomorrow I'll record a bonus episode so it can go up this week. Leah says that she really just wants to know how often Allie's supposed to be using the breathing machine. And I'm like, why doesn't she know? Why doesn't she know that already? Like, not to be rude, but like, wouldn't they have told her that when they gave her the breathing machine? Like, hey, Allie needs to use this, like, this many times. Is Leah not able to call the doctors? How many times has Allie been using the breathing machine if Leah doesn't know how many times she's supposed to be using it? I never understand. I just, I don't get Leah. I don't ever understand, like, what's going on in Leah's world. Just confuses me. Allie does her physical fitness, physical fitness, physical therapy appointment. It's cute. She's, like, running all around. She looks strong. We find out that her numbers are really good and that she did even better this time than she did at their last appointment four months ago, which is great. I love to hear that. It's always, it's. I mean, it's devastating when we get these sad doctor visits for Allie, and it's great when we get happy ones. So they go to see Dr. Sal, and 
literally the first thing out of his mouth is like, is she using the power wheelchair? <laughs> every every appointment, the first thing that he wants to know is, is she using the power wheelchair? And what does Leah do at every appointment? She fucking lies about it and says that she is. We all know Allie's barely using that fucking power wheelchair. I bet it goes to school and it sits in the corner of her classroom all day. And then they bring it home and it sits in the house while Addie breaks it by climbing on it. They probably only use it to play. And Leah's like, "Mm mm-hmm, it's really conserving her energy. (laughs) They're such liars. She lies every appointment. We never see that girl in her fucking wheelchair. Ever. Ever. When is the, I want somebody to find the last time that it was used on this show that wasn't like for a doctor's appointment <laughs> that was naturally used. I want I want somebody to find that for me. N- nobody's going to do that because nobody's going back and watching old episodes of these shows. And you know what? I deeply respect that because the show is not good enough to watch old episodes of that aren't like seasons one through four or five because those are worth watching. But I understand if you're not going back a couple seasons. But Allie doesn't use that fucking wheelchair. And Leah lying and saying that she does. It just gets me, guys. You know I've been screaming for Allie to use her fucking wheelchair for the whole time I've had this podcast. Um, Leah also updates Dr. Sal on, like, the IEP situation and the aid. And (sighs) old guys, like, truly doesn't care. Although I get it. I... Emilia in that way that when like something's going on, I need to tell people about it and I need people to validate me. <laughs> it's not a great quality. Trust me. When I say that, I'm not saying that as like a brag. It's like something that I need to be working on um, because I really like praise and validation. It's like, it's not cute. It's not endearing. It doesn't make people want to be around me. But it's the truth. And I know if like something big is going on and I'm with somebody who will understand and or have the ability to talk to me about it. So it's like semi-relevant to that situation. I will often bring it up, even though like it's not 100% relevant to that situation. So I see exactly what she's doing. She's just like venting to somebody that she thinks understands and cares, but it's obviously like very out of talk. Dr. Sal's like purview. So he's just like, okay, okay. Um, but the good news is, is that he thinks Allie is doing really well and that her strength is like basically the same as the last time they were there. And in a really cute moment, Leah says that she's getting all AIDS and Dr. Sal says, you are a shining star. And it was just really nice and sweet. I love him. I love him. I just wish that her parents would follow <laughs> his advice and recommendations. Um, And then we find out that Leah or Allie does not have to go back for another six months, which I guess she had to come back after four months this time because the test last time, the results were so bad. So that's really good. And she's improving on her physical therapy scores and everything's going good for Allie. And that was great to see. But yeah, am I worried that Jason is going to meet an untimely end because something's going to happen via Dirty John style, which I don't want to spoil for you guys if you haven't watched it or listened to it. Yeah, I am. Like, I'm pretty sure that that's the only outcome that we see. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Could you imagine? I want to rank. Obviously, we know that Grace is Jacqueline slash Veronica, right? 
and Allie's a real Tara. What does that make Addie? Mm. Mm. Jason, he's just, he's creepy and everybody feels that way that's watching and we should all trust our guts. We should all trust our guts. Anyway, let's go to Chelsea after a quick break. Was this like, how does every week Chelsea gets more boring? Just when I'm like, oh my God, this couldn't be more boring. And actually Chelsea started off very promising this season, which is rude. But with the Adam visits, because Adam is the only thing interesting about Chelsea's life. Which is why Chelsea should leave the show. So it's the first, Aubrey starting third grade. They talk about like when she can have boyfriends. I don't know. I I don't like it on the show when they talk to the kids about like boyfriends and dating. It makes me feel weird and uncomfortable. I really, I just, mm, I don't like it. Cole posted something the other day about like boys, like a picture of Aubrey with like a weird, that Snapchat filter that has like the like red lipstick and the hat with the the thing that covers your face like a funeral hat I can't I can't explain it but I hope you guys know what I'm talking about and it was like boys watch out I'm her protector or like some weird shit I just I don't know this should come as a surprise to no one I just I don't like it when dads act like very weirdly protective over daughters and how like boys need to watch out first of all it's like really heteronormative for all we know Aubrey could grow up and have girlfriends but I just I don't like it I don't like it and I don't like I think it's very embarrassing to the kids to put it on tv and Aubrey seems embarrassed when Chelsea brings it up and I just think it's like a weird thing to talk about I hope when I have an eight-year-old, I, like, don't talk to them about, like, boyfriends and stuff like that. At least not in that way where you're, like, teasing them about it. It's, look, it's mostly harmless. I'm not saying, like, Chelsea's a bad mom for doing it. And I understand, like, most people do that. It just, I don't know. I just think it's weird. So, it's the night before school and I did notice that Watson and Aubrey go to bed at the same time, which surprised me because it was, like, 8.30 and Watson's only one. Well, I guess he's one and a half. Um, but it's the first day of school. Cole had to go into work early. They take some cute pictures. And it was cute. Aubrey was like, send it to Cole. Obviously, like, Chelsea, or Aubrey loves Cole. I really personally think that Chelsea should go after Adam to give up his parental rights. Um, I think it's very important that Cole adopt Aubrey. Now, hear me out. Why do I think it's important? Because what if Chelsea dies? Luckily, luckily if Chelsea died, I would guess that Adam, not Adam, Randy or Mary would probably be the most likely person that the court would grant custody to. And then they would obviously just let Cole raise her. Adam or his parents having like the, having any ability to take Aubrey from her family if something happened to Chelsea that sorry I just like a total brain like melt trying to get that sentence out but any situation in which Chelsea dies and Cole is not the one that raises Aubrey is not great I don't like it 
Adam is not a part of her life. It's so obviously, so obvious that she views Cole as her father. I really think that they should go to Adam, say that we will forgive all of your back child support and let him sign over his rights because he will do that. Um, I mean, I maybe they don't, maybe, maybe Aubrey doesn't want that and that's why they haven't done it. But it just seems kind of crazy to me that they're not pursuing it at this point. You know, they changed her last name to DeBoer. So, like, why not make Cole her dad? I, I really think Adam would let them. She could still have a relationship with the DeBoer parent, or excuse me, with the Lynn's. It just seems like a sketchy sitch <laughs> that che- something could possibly happen to Chelsea and then Adam and the Lynn's would, like, come into play custody-wise. Now, I know people are thinking, like, well, Chelsea could just write in her will that uh, Cole raises her, but that's just, it's not how it works. Um, if all of them, if both of them were to die, it would just, it would be, it's just not great. That's like a dark term, but I really do think that it's just like, it's time, it's time for Cole to adopt Aubrey. And I do think Adam would let them if, if he like had to sign over, or if he got to say no more child support and no more back child support. And if something happened and Adam like got clean and changed his life around, I'm sure they would still let Adam be in Chelsea's life. Excuse me, Adam be in Aubrey's life. You know, it doesn't mean that he'd be like cut off from Aubrey forever. But, like, the guy can't even show up to the fucking visitation center. He's such a loser. So, at the end of the day, Aubrey made a new friend. It was a boy. I thought it was funny because she didn't remember his name. And Chelsea is like, you're the worst. Like, you have to remember people's names. So, I guess that's something that Aubrey does. And that's it. They don't have a new baby yet. I'm guessing next week they'll have the new baby. I watched it on Amazon, so I don't get scenes for next week. So... If you saw a scene for next week that says they're having a new baby, then I guess I'm really smart at guessing. (laughs) Okay, Brie. Brie apparently met a guy. He lives in New York, and she met him a few months ago, and they've been talking. So she's going to go visit him, which, like, great. Uh, She did say something online this week that people were like, you moved too fast. Last year you were all about Javi, and now you're with this new guy. And she said last year was fake as fuck. I don't know. I don't think, I don't personally think that it was, like, fake, the Javi and Brie stuff. Like, I don't, I don't think it was real, necessarily. (laughs) I don't think Brie was faking it. Do I think Javi was faking it? I don't not think that Javi was faking it. I think that Javi saw a chance with Brie and saw that he could get more camera time. And I think Bree saw a guy that has a good career. He's good with his kids. He's close with his parents. He gets on with Roxanne and Brittany. And he is a really good dad. So, yeah, why shouldn't I try this out? Do I think she was, like, super in love with Javi? No, of course not. Or she would have had, she would have moved to Delaware for him. You know, like, I think... Or she would have, like, stayed with him and made it work. I don't think she was, like, super in love with him. But I think she was really dating him. And I think that he he wanted a storyline. I don't think Brie, like, would date somebody for a storyline. I don't think that Brie cares that much about Teen Mom. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's just her personality. But Brie doesn't seem to care that much about Teen Mom or being famous. Like... Brie's gonna be okay. Like, does Brie want the money from this show? Like, yeah, of course. 
But remember, like, Brie wasn't making that much. Like, Brie's still not making that much. Not nearly as much as the other girls. I'm sure it's making her life easier to be on Teen Mom financially. But it's not like she's making, you know, $500,000 a year or whatever the other girls are making. By the way, it's crazy to think that the OG dads get paid 20, like, original, not OG as in Teen Mom OG, but the original dads get paid almost as much or if not as much as the as the moms do and they get paid per episode so joe was in this this episode for like 14 seconds the entire episodes and he got twenty five thousand dollars for that that's the life <laughs> that's why when joe was talking about quitting the show i was like is he out of his fucking skull like why would he quit it'd be crazy but anyway back to brie so like i don't know i don't think it was fake in that like they weren't dating that's not what I think. I think that they're really dating. But I think when Bree then sees, like, what Javi did, how he was fucking Kale, and how he was fucking Lauren, and then, like, he's, like, on to Lauren, and Lauren and him are in love and have a baby. I think, like, the way that when Bree says it was fake, she means, like, Javi played me, and Javi was fake as fuck. So, like, what we had was not real because he, like, was telling me shit, but, like, was still fucking Kale. He was talking to Lauren or whatever he was doing. So, like, that's, it was fake. But she doesn't mean, like, for a storyline, which I think when people see it was fake, they think that she means, like, I played into this for a storyline. And I really, I don't believe that at all. I don't think that's the type of person Brie is. I don't think she's a good enough actress to do that. I don't think Brie cares to do that. Like, Brie is fine just, like, filming with Devon and fighting with Lewis, going to get her nails done. Like, she doesn't give a fuck about creating some storyline. Like, whatever. She, I, I also don't think... I think because Brie came on the show so much later, she got the tiniest bit of fame. And by I'm doing like air quotes from 16 Pregnant and Teen Mom 3 and then nothing for many years. And I don't think Brie sees herself as somebody that's ever going to be like rich and famous. Unlike someone like Kale. Kale's a good counter example to Brie, in my opinion. So I just don't think Brie cares that much about this show. And I just don't think Brie would, like, go out of her way to create storylines for this show. I mean, obviously, like, Brie obviously didn't care that much about the show when she, like, went on stage and risked getting fired for to fight Kale for, like, almost no reason. I think that Brie, like, if MTV left, would be like, okay, <laughs> like... That was cool. Like, let me see how much longer I can do these Instagram posts for and make money on them. But, like, Brie has no big visions of, like, moving to New York and being famous. Like, Brie is not out here trying to start clothing lines. She's not trying to sell MLMs. She's just, like, living her Kissimmee, Florida lifestyle. And I don't really see that ever changing. So there's just no way she would have, like, went along with a fake dating storyline. She just means it's fake because Javi was a fucking liar and played the shit out of her. Um, Javi, I think, like, genuinely saw her as a storyline opportunity. And Javi is so psychotic that he would have married, like, gotten her pregnant and married her just to have a continuous storyline. Like, that's how crazy Javi is. By the way, I'm really glad that, like, we don't have to deal with Javi and Bree's segments this season. That makes me feel good. That sparks joy in my life. You know, not having to deal with, like, this crisscross of Kale and Bree is, like, it's pleasing to me. Anyway, Bree met this guy in New York. He, she's, like, not that serious about him yet. Uh, I guess they've, like, hung out a couple times, and she's going to go visit him. Shirley's like, are you bringing the girls? And she's like, fuck no. <laughs> Finally, someone with some sense. 
they're still together, I think. Somebody said that it was her third baby dad. And she's like, if it was my third baby dad, I'd already be pregnant. I guess they call him the chicken guy because they met at a chicken store. And he stalked the shit out of her, whatever that means. I guess, like, she didn't want to give him his number. So we, like, followed her out of the store. It didn't sound very romantic to me. So... There was a cute little scene of Roxanne and Nova, like, practicing gymnastics. Roxanne was trying to do, get Nova to do a back walkover. <laughs> really cute. Brie goes to New York. She meets up with this guy. What's his name? John. I think his name is John. It's John, right? Did I really not write down his name? Did I only write down the chicken guy? Ugh, I'm the worst at taking notes sometimes. <laughs> They meet up with, she meets up with John and then John's cousin and his cousin's girlfriend. And I thought this was kind of a funny scene because, you know, I do love, they have the fourth wall broken for a reason. So I do love when they talk about the show and filming the show. I think you guys know that I love that. And the girl was like, the girlfriend's cousin, the cousin's girlfriend was like, so what do you do? And Bree says, well, you know, I do this. And they all kind of laugh. She's like, I do teen mom. And then I also work in timeshares. So, you know, good for Bree. She kept her job. And Bree was, Bree was like, you guys can't watch this show. And the cousin's girlfriend was like, we're watching this show. Like, we're going to be on it. Of course we're watching it. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, exactly. Anybody who says they wouldn't is a fucking liar. Of course. Sometimes I'll hear people on reality TV say they never watch their own show. And it's like, are you out of your skull? Of course you have to watch your own show and watch how you come across on TV. They go to like this dinner and I wrote, I don't love this scene. There's something weird about it on camera. I don't know. Bree's not a shining star, right? I think we all know that. And I don't think Bree's new guy is a shining star. So really she should have brought Brittany on this trip to like lighten things up. Because, like, that's why I like Brie on this show is because I really like the De Jesus family. I mean, I don't think they're necessarily, like, good people. But I like to watch Brit and Roxanne and how they play off of Brianna. So, Brianna on her own is a tough sell for me. It's tough. Um, And then they go to Coney Island, which was cute. Brie was so happy. She's like, I haven't been here since I was a kid. The guy she's seen is, like, not that cute. He's not ugly, but he's, like, not that cute. They also made a joke that Brie can't speak Spanish because she's Puerto Rican. And they said, you know, Puerto Ricans don't speak Spanish. I'm assuming that's a joke about, like, Puerto Ricans assimilating into the U.S. And the cousin's like, yeah, but you, like, understand Spanish. And she was, Brie was like, well, she's like, if someone speaks to you in Spanish, like, you know what they're saying. And Brie was like, well, I can't have, like, a conversation. I can't have a fluent conversation. I just thought it was funny that the girl was like, no, no, no. But, like, you you know it. And Brie was like, no, I don't. <laughs> anyway, I am unsure of how Brie's season is going to go. I'm not so sure, like, where a long-distance romance storyline goes. We haven't been getting that much Britney. I need more Britney. I need more Roxanne flipping out. I just, I need a little more from Brie and her family this season. What about you guys? How are you feeling on Brie? I mean, she's fine. I don't, like, want her off the show or anything, but I just am going to need a little more from them. Okay, let's go to Kale. It really was. We're already on Kale. It's just, like, not a lot happened this episode, guys. Okay, so Isaac's at Joe's, and Kale's friend Mark comes over. If you guys remember, Kale's been friends with Mark since high school. 
I don't know if he was in her 16 pregnant episode, but he was definitely in like Teen Mom 2 season one. I believe he lives in Atlanta, which is why she doesn't see him very often, but they've stayed friends all of these years. Um, Mark, she asked Mark how he's doing. He says, you know, I'm good. I'm just like doing my music, (laughs) which like really made me laugh. Like it's just the way he said it was so funny and I just, I loved that answer. So Kale tells um, Mark that like she had Tyler on the podcast and Tyler has a similar situation to her, which once again, like she truly does not give a fuck that Kate also has an addict mom. (laughs) Like does Kale not watch OG and know about April? Does she only know about Butch and Tyler? Does she have no knowledge of April? So weird. So she said the podcast dropped and like a lot of her friends were reaching out to her and some of her friends did research and found out where she was living and working. I thought that Ashley, you know, our teen mom paper of record, I thought that Ashley did the research and that's how Kale found out. But she said that her mom's living in Maryland and like that's only two hours away so she can go fuck herself for not reaching out. But like guys, Pennsylvania, like where Kale's from in Pennsylvania is only two hours away from Delaware. Like her mom isn't living any closer by living in Maryland. Like if, if her mom is two hours away in Maryland, she was like two hours away in Pennsylvania. I don't know. I think it's totally fine that Kale doesn't reach out to her mom. But like when she says like she's living two hours away from me and she's trash for not reaching out. One thing that I will say is that like if Kale's mom reached out to her like would Kale want to talk to her hasn't Kale told her like don't contact me it's not like I'm under the impression that like the last thing that they talked about after she found out like after she dropped uh Lincoln off there and Lincoln she babysat Lincoln while she was drunk like I was kind of under the impression that Kale was like don't ever speak to me again And I do think that, like, I'm totally on Kale's side when it comes to her mom. I think her mom is, like, very much not a good person and an alcoholic. And I definitely believe Kale on this stuff. But I do wonder, like, if you tell a parent, like, fuck you, like, do not reach out to me. And they don't reach out to you. Like, does that make them the bad person? Like, wouldn't it be bad if she, like, continued trying to reach out to Kale? I don't know. I think it's for the best that Kale does not continue to talk to Susie. I think if Susie got sober and, like, amassed some significant sober time, then she would probably reach out to Kale. But maybe not. Maybe Susie's a bad person even when she's not drinking. You know? Like, we we don't know Susie. And really, the only Susie we know is drunk. So we don't know if sober Susie is just as bad. But I do. I get why Kale is so desperate to talk to Susie. And I think... It can be very hard for people that haven't cut off their parents to understand. Although I haven't cut out a parent, but I just have an ability to get it. But I do think it's hard for other people to to not get it. And I do get why they don't get it. I think when you have a good family, it can be very fucking hard for you to understand people that don't have good families. And that's because, like, not only is your family good, but, like, media and society and culture like, all tells us what a family is and what it should be like. So I think people that don't have that type of family, it can be very hard for 
like it can be very hard to understand it. And like Kale brings that up with like Chris being like, yeah, but it's your mom, especially when it's your mom. Like I think even more so than your dad, like when it's your mom, I think it's just like, it's just so hard. It's so funny. As I said that my mom is like shushing the dog because the dog started to bark and she just really wants me to do good at my podcast. I want to have my mom on my podcast, but I'm not sure how to do that. I guess we could watch a 16 and pregnant episode. I don't know. Um, anyway, I totally lost my turn of thought because I heard the dog bark and my mom shush him. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so like I do get like Kale's desire, especially for the kids. Like, and also I think you just like the longer you go without talking to someone, the easier it is to kind of like convince yourself that they've probably changed and like everything could be different this time. So I get why she like wants to have her mom in her life, but I do think it's the best idea to just like to not. Also, like if she did, I think she would need to do it in a very private way that doesn't involve MTV. And like clearly that wasn't going to be the way that she did it because she's a reality TV star. Um, Mark is like, how does she, she doesn't even know you live in Delaware? And Kale's like, she's been to this house. <laughs> Poor Kale. I really do feel for her. Um, and she says she wants to focus her energy like into her sister because she has a half sister from her dad and her half sister lives in Texas. And like, I think that's good. Uh, she's obviously, she's not close with her. And I think it's very hard to be close with a sibling that you didn't grow up with and you've only met a couple times in your life and you have to like form a new bond as an adult and I think it would be good for Kale to do that um we got a good flashback of Kale visiting her dad who Saad who's been on this podcast pointed out looks exactly like Lux she posted a picture I'll try to remember to post it on Instagram of her of the dad and Lux side by side and they look exactly alike which I never realized like Kale looks just like her dad and Lux looks just like Kale it's crazy it's really crazy so we get a flashback of the meat lock scene which is when Kale on her 16 and pregnant went to visit her dad which in my opinion is one of the most heartbreaking moments on 16 and pregnant and it definitely gets overlooked and it doesn't get talked about that much well like the humor of her going to visit her like super redneck dad gets talked about the loss of innocence in that moment for Kale being captured on camera was so devastating to me because it's so obvious that Kale and I've heard her talk about this like she, I probably talked about it on the podcast with Tyler and Kate. I can't remember. But she also talked about it a little on... She went on... There's another Teen Mom podcast called Teen Mom Trash Talk. And she went on there. And I listened to that episode. And she talked about... One, the reason that the fridge was... The freezer was locked was because her dad was, like, married to a woman that had an addict for a son. And he, like, came in the house and stole as he said, $250 worth of meat. So they decided to lock it up, which like, I don't think is that crazy. <laughs> like, But th- just doing it without an explanation is crazy. But Kale's talked about how like when she was growing up, she would like have all of these like fantasies of her dad, like rescuing her from this awful life that she lived with her mom. And like how her dad was going to be basically like the antith- antith- antithesis. Wow, I can't say that. 
of her mom and just like the opposite of her mom and was going to be the good parent. And like when her mom was being awful, like she always had this idea in her head of like, well, my dad is like going to be there for me. My dad is going to save me. And, you know, when she went to visit him, she was living at Joe's because her mom. Do people know this, that Kale's mom gave like legal guardianship to Joe's parents? Like, and that was, I think, the second or third time in her life her mom had given legal guardianship to somebody else. Like her mom is awful. Susie is awful. So I think Kale just like her whole life had this idea like, well, I'm going to like go to Texas. I'm going to find my dad and then I won't have to deal with my mom ever again. And my life is going to be so happy. And then she went there and he was just as bad as like her mom had always said he was because she said in one of these podcasts that like uh, her mom would be like, okay, you go and do that because he's a loser. But she like wouldn't believe her mom because she didn't trust her mom. So like when she went and she found her dad was like, as bad or worse as her mom said that he was. It was just so devastating. And I really think that was like such a loss of innocence moment for Kale. And I think that was like, you know, one of the last bits of like hope for this life that she wanted, you know, and allowed her child self to dream of. And I think with that trip, like she squashed that. And that's like when she like solidified herself as like, this hardened bitch that, like, won't let anybody in. At least that's my, that's my theory on it. So she goes to Texas to, like, visit her hair care plant. I don't give a fuck about pothead hair. I mean, I think she says it's doing well, but who knows. Am I glad that she has, like, some other sources of income outside MTV? Like, yeah, that's great. But, like, pretending like she does anything except, put her name on it is so silly. I don't care about it as a team mom storyline. It's very much not interesting to me. Um, Kale's business ventures just like aren't interesting to me. I think it's because her personal life is so dramatic and interesting that it's like, I really don't care about you making a hair product line. But because she's in Texas, she's going to go visit her sister, Kayla. She meets up with a friend and explains that her sister's name is Kayla Michaela. Because it rhymes with Kalen, and then there's, like, three other girl cousins that all have rhyming names. And she's like, ugh, what, such white trash, right? And I'm like, Kale, you named your baby Lux. Your baby's name is Lux. Like, you're really going to get on anybody else for making fun of their the names of their children? Dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. So she goes to see her sister, who she has not spoken to since the last time she saw her, which was two years ago. And I mean, I don't know. I think that makes sense. Like, I just, I, if this girl lived in Texas her whole, whole life, this girl has no relationship with her dad. Kale's no relationship with the dad. Like, they're not close. Um, so Kale goes to see her. She seems totally normal and nice. Like, she seems like somebody that Kale should have in her life. And we find out that Kayla is 14 weeks pregnant. And Kayla was like, when were you going to tell me? And Kayla, Kayla was like, I wasn't sure. You know, I just didn't want to tell you over text. <laughs> and we've, Kayla's like kind of weirdly trying to like pressure Kayla into getting in touch with their dad. She Kayla hasn't seen their dad since she was five years old. And Kale's like, why would I? Like, my life is fine without him. Like, why would I go see him? And I agreed. Like, it was, I don't know. I thought it was so weird because Kale was like, I'll go with you if you want to see him. 
And I'm like, is Kale trying to produce storylines? Like, why does she care if Kale goes to see her dad? I just thought it was so weird because Kale, like, so clearly wants absolutely nothing to do with her dad. Like, why would she want her sister to see him? I don't know. I thought that was a very weird, like, conversation to have. I I didn't get it. I It seems like she was trying to pressure her, but I just couldn't understand why. So, yeah, in conclusion, Kale is going to try and build a relationship with her sister. And, you know, what? I think that's great. I really, I support her. I think it'd be really good. It'd be good for the boys. They can have a cousin on Kale's side. And I think Kale would really benefit from having somebody that she could be like, this is my sister. I think it would be good for her self-esteem and her self-worth to be able to have like a family member that she considers close to her. So we'll see how that goes. Anyway, post 911 call, Janelle refuses to film. So Kristen, producer, goes to Barbara's and talks to her about it. Now, I saw a lot of praise for old Barbara online for this. And I don't disagree necessarily. I think that Barbara is right in what she told Kristen, which is she basically said her friend Donna, which is the one, remember, I love Donna. We saw Donna on the day of Janelle's wedding when Barbara's crying. And Donna's like, you hate David. Like, they're not going to invite you to their wedding because you hate him. (laughs) And seemed to be the only person in Barbara's life who was like, you, this is all a bet of your own making. Um, so Donna gave Barb the advice to basically not confront her about the 911 call and not talk to her about it and kind of let Janelle make her own decisions. And I agree with that. I think Donna's right and I think Barb is making the right choice. Um, but my question is, is like, when does she protect Jace? You know, so she doesn't confront Janelle. She doesn't do anything, but Jace was there when this fight happened and Jace was there when the police came, which means it's the second time in what four months less. When was the nine one the I think the the gun incident was in May. Right? It was the gun incident in May of this year or in two thousand eighteen. And then the nine one one call was like in September or October. So this is the second time in under six months that Janelle has had a police interaction while Jace is in her care. At what point does Barbara go and petition the court for, to modify their custody order with the under, with the accusation that the minor child has had two police episodes being in his mom's care and asked for supervised visits? Like, at what point does Barbara say, like, I need to get in front of the judge because I cannot let my child go over to this house because it's dangerous and my daughter's being beat in front of my kid. And by my kid, I mean Jace because Jace is her kid. You know, Jace is the minor here. Jace is the one that that Barbara has taken on the legal responsibility of raising. And I just, I don't know, guys. I, I do think she's right that confronting Janelle about this won't get her anywhere. It doesn't help Janelle. It doesn't help Barbara. It doesn't help Jace. But like, how does, how do you know this? And then you can consider sending Jace over there every other weekend. You know, I saw, like, I I tweeted about this and I had some people respond to me like, Barbara's hands are tied. Like she tried to do the right thing by going to court and the court decided that Janelle got visitation, but that's not true. 
Barbara didn't go in front of the judge. She didn't go to trial. Barb and Janelle went to mediation and she agreed basically to Janelle's what Janelle wanted and the asks that Janelle had so they could avoid going to trial. Because remember, Janelle was like, she didn't want to go to trial because she knew she'd lose. And Barb was like, no, I just like didn't want to drag Janelle through that because like it'd be a bad outcome for Janelle, which I think we all can agree with that Janelle going for a custody trial is like not ever going to be great for her. And I don't know. I just like, I, I'm glad that Janelle and Barbara are getting along. Please don't get me wrong. I'm glad that they're getting along because I, it's good. It's good for them to get along. It's good for Jace, but I cannot help but feel like this is happening at the expense of Jace's safety and that Jace's safety needs to be Barbara's number one. And unfortunately, that safety comes before Janelle's safety, Kaiser's safety, Ensley's safety, safety, Marissa's safety, um, because she's not their legal guardian, you know? Like, there's this one very vulnerable child who we know has a host of mental health issues. And Barb just being like, well, I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to push it. I don't want to upset her. And things are good because, like, I'm going over there and I don't want her to be isolated. And, like, I don't know. It's not wrong. Also, I want to address the point that people are saying that Barb is keeping Janelle close so that Janelle can go to Barb if something happens. But I want to point out that, like, they don't need to be close for that to happen. That's not how Janelle and Barb's relationship goes. Janelle and Barb get into huge fights. They don't talk. Janelle hates, or Barb will hate Janelle's boyfriend, like, rightfully so, by the way, because Janelle's never had a good boyfriend. And they won't be talking, but then something will happen and Janelle will turn to Barb. Like, it doesn't matter if Barb and Janelle are speaking or not. If Janelle wants to leave and wants Barb's help, she's going to ask Barb, even if they haven't spoken for two years. That's their dynamic. It's been their dynamic the entire time we've watched this show and probably for years before we watched this show. You know, they've probably been doing this thing where Barb swoops in and saves the day from Janelle's evil boyfriend since Janelle was like 14. Um, So I just, I don't really find that to be that much of a reason to be so close to David at the expense of Jace that she's doing it because she needs Janelle to know that she'll be there for her because Janelle knows it. They don't have to be talking for Barbara to step in. Um, That's like always, always what they've done. But I do like, I think that she shouldn't confront Janelle because like it's not going to get her anywhere. What I think she needs to do is go to court and ask for like a modification to their visitation schedule and that Janelle needs to only have supervised visits. I don't think it's safe for Jace to go to the land. And I think it's crazy that he's going there every other weekend. It's just, it's not good guys. It's not good. Uh, Barbara does speak about the fact that she was in an abusive relationship for many years. And so she knows how Janelle is feeling. She remembers the feeling of being embarrassed and just like feeling so disgraceful and she said she just, like, can't imagine what it's like to do it as a public figure, which I think is a very good point. And I agree with her. Um, we get a scene of, this is infuriating, of Nathan and Ashley. And they have Kaiser and they're taking Kaiser to the beach. And I guess Nate at pickup asked Janelle what was going on. And Janelle was like, it's none of your business. And he said, well, who was watching the kids? And Janelle admitted the kids were there. But, like, didn't we know the kids were there from the 911 call? Um, I don't really think that's her admitting it. Nathan says that, like, when he asked Janelle stuff on the 
on the spot that Janelle can't lie about it. And Nathan, I guess, texted Barb and said that he was concerned and asked Barbara to check up. I'm very curious about what Barbara said back. I would like to know what Barbara said back to Nate because, as we know, Barbara was talking shit on Nate two weeks before this. Uh, Ashley thought the 911 call was very genuine, which is like, girl. Okay, first of all, did she think Janelle's 911 call for Nathan was very genuine? (laughs) Like, I just, the two of them talking about Janelle's safety is, like, so infuriating to me. Nathan having the nerve to talk about domestic violence when he choked the shit out of Jessica on multiple occasions and beat the shit out of Jessica and choked Janelle and did God knows what with all of his ex-girlfriends is so wrong and fucked up. And for Ashley to sit there and be like, I'm just worried about Janelle. It's like, no, you're not. Those who don't give a fuck about Janelle. Those who are psychotic. Just like Janelle's psychotic. You know? Like, they don't give a fuck about Janelle. Just like Janelle doesn't give a fuck about them. And for Nate to, like, play this character of, like, concerned father, it's sick. It's sick. They make me sick. And something about Ashley makes me extra sick because, like, she was online saying that, like, Nate only did what he did to Jessica because, like, she pushed him and made him do it. And then for her to sit there and be like, Janelle sounded very genuine. So it's like, oh, so you believe domestic violence when it's convenient for you and will help you help your boyfriend get custody. They don't care about Janelle. And I don't like them getting on film and pretending to care about Janelle. Nate having the nerve to speak about David and domestic violence is like, (laughs) it's rich. It's rich. Nate says everyone can see Janelle's in an abusive relationship now. It's like, yeah, and we could all see that she was in an abusive relationship with you, Nate. We could all see it. We all knew it. We could all see she's always been in an abusive relationship. I don't know. <sighs> so Janelle agreed to film with Barbara, and Barbara, Jace, Janelle, and Ensley go and get ice cream, I guess is what they did. So... Barb asks her what happened, and this is what Janelle says. She says, we had a bonfire with all of our friends. David went spotlighting with his friends, which, by the way, is like when you go and shine a spotlight at deer so they come out. I don't know. Apparently, it's illegal to poach deer that way, but she didn't say they were actually shooting deer. You're allowed to spotlight deer. You're just not allowed to shoot them, usually. Um, if you Like, you're not allowed to hunt via spotlight, but you can spotlight deer. I know rednecks that fucking do it. So then I called David's phone and he didn't answer. I was pissed off. We were drinking. All the kids were sleeping. It was 1130 at night. I came outside yelling, screaming, cussing at him. I was running towards him and I tripped over this freaking hole and he fell on top of me trying to catch me. I was crying. I was screaming. I was mad. Then she said she called the police because she was mad. Okay. I'm going to say it. And this is going to be controversial. Most of this story is the most believable shit I've heard in a while come out of Janelle's mouth. I, what I, here's what I think probably happened. I think that they had a bonfire. I think that they were drunk. I think that David left and wasn't answering his phone and Janelle was fucking pissed. I believe that she was screaming, cussing, doing whatever, ran at him. Now, here's what I don't believe, that she fell into a hole, David was just trying to trying to catch her, then he accidentally fell on her. That's not, that's what I don't believe. I 
I don't know how much I've said on this podcast about what I thought happened, but pretty consistently in my private conversations about this, I've I've said the whole time, I have a feeling that David left, Janelle flipped the fuck out on him, and then he, like, attacked her as a result, and she got spooked. And I totally believe that's what happened here, is that David wasn't answering his phone. Nothing makes more Janelle more mad than that, than David ignoring her, as we've seen countless times on this show that I'm fucking raking fight before the wedding um the moving fight when he was ignoring her trying to move Janelle does not like to be ignored I can totally believe that Janelle flipped the fuck out on him and then went after him and David is a huge abusive guy and he attacked her back and that's why she called 911 that's why, like, that's the part that's unbelievable that she, that, and that's why Barbara's like, well, then why did you call the police if, like, he just fell on top of you? Like, yeah, that makes no sense. Like, David obviously attacked her, but I, I believe the, the build up to the story is what she says happened. And I believe that she probably wasn't as hurt as she claimed to be and that she was just spooked and she was mad, which is why then we saw that she wasn't actually hurt and her collarbone wasn't actually broken and there was no injury. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that this started via Janelle flipping out because David was ignoring her. Now, I still think that David probably should have been arrested because I believe that he held her down, maybe hit her. I just think that, that Janelle is, like, telling... I don't think this story she told on TV is, like, as crazy as a lot of the stories she tells to cover him up, basically, is what I'm saying. Like, I think that it's believable that they had this huge blowout fight about the fact that David was ignoring her and that they were drunk. What I just... I don't believe that it was, like, she tripped and then he, like, tried to help her and then she, did like, decided to call the police I think he actually did. I would bet she, like, attacked him, as we know she does to her boyfriends. And I think that Janelle is probably learning that... I think with David, she bought off... She bit off more than she can chew. I think that she has always been in abusive relationships. She always has attacked boyfriends and been abusive herself. And I think that David is one of the first guys that, like... No, that's not... That's not even true. I was going to say one of the first guys that actually hurt her. But I don't think that's true because I think... Nathan really hurt her and strangled her, and I think Cortland really hurt her, but I think, I think that Janelle is a little spooked at maybe the strength of David and how big he is. So that's what I mean by biting off more than she can chew, and I think that David maybe takes the aggression and the fighting back to a different level that maybe her other boyfriends haven't, even though like they have I don't know that's why I can't I think the scariest part about David is obviously the guns but I think physically um unfortunately I think this relationship is very similar to all of her other relationships and that's very sad it's very sad that Janelle has never had a non-abusive relationship and I don't think David is particularly hurting her any more than any of the other boyfriends have and I know everybody thinks that David is, like, abusing her all the time every day. And, like, maybe he is. But I don't think that it's any worse that way than it was 
with any of her other boyfriends. What makes this, like, worse and scary to me is the amount of drugs and guns and children that are, like, on this very secluded property and that there aren't neighbors to call the police. That's very, very scary to me. At least, like, when all these other fights happened, they were when they lived, she lived in, like, townhouses and apartments, and, you know, people could call the police if they heard them fighting. It's very scary to think that they're so secluded and that David has all of these guns and that there are so many fucking kids at their house and that the night of the 911 call, there were five children there because David's son, Caden, was there. And I've read online that since then, um, Caden's mom, Olivia, went back to court and David hasn't been allowed to see Caden. We haven't seen pictures of him, but I'm not sure exactly how true that is. But yeah, I just, it's very scary to think that they're, you know, Janelle's like kind of alone on that land. Um, And, you know, being friends with Barbara, like, doesn't mean she's not alone on that land with those guns and those drugs. Uh, For why Janelle won't leave David, guys, David is a perfect husband in Janelle's eyes. He doesn't cheat on her. He wants to spend all his time with her. He's a good dad. I use that loosely, but as far as Janelle's concerned, like, he's the one that raises those kids. You guys know that, right? Like, Janelle still doesn't do shit with those kids. Like, those kids are David's responsibility. Just like any of her past, like, Kaiser was mostly taking care of Nate. Janelle doesn't have any interest in taking care of children. Um, He's good on the land. He doesn't as I said, he doesn't cheat on her. I want to say it again. They probably love doing the same drugs. They, he just like wants to spend all of his time with their family. Like to Janelle, that's a perfect relationship and all of her relationships are abusive. So like, what does she care if this one's also abusive? Her, all of her parents' relationships were abusive. Like this is all Janelle knows. And that's very sad and it's very scary. And I'm very worried for Janelle. And It's kind of, I still think it's insane that David wasn't arrested. Even if Janelle came down that driveway and said like, oh, I changed my mind. The police still should have came up and made him leave for the night or did something. It's crazy that that 911 call wasn't enough. I'm guessing that she had no visible uh, marks on her, which is why the police didn't like override her changing her mind. But also maybe not. Police are trash. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry, especially when it comes to domestic violence. I'm just scared of Janelle being with those guns. Those guns are really, really, really scary. But I also know that David and Janelle are not breaking up anytime soon unless he chooses to leave her. She's not leaving him. She's not. Like, to her, they can have these huge fights. He can attack her. She can call 911. But that that's not a deal breaker. That's just Janelle's every day, unfortunately. It's been Janelle's every day for many, many, many years. And watching her mom get beat and then her getting beat, it's like, It's just her cycle. And that's sad as shit. And I'm very, I'm very worried for Janelle and her safety. But I, I don't know. I guess I'm like the only person that's been worried for Janelle and her safety since like the Kiefer days. (laughs) Like, I don't mean to laugh, but I don't feel this over sense, overwhelming sense of urgency for her safety that I do with David that everybody else seems to feel because I feel like I've been feeling that forever um, because she's to me, always been in very obviously abusive situations. So I guess I just don't understand, like, why people are so... No, I do understand why, because of social media and the way David posts his guns. I get it. I get it. I get why people feel that way. And I don't want to say that I don't get it, because I do. I just feel like I've been feeling this. Um, 
And I do worry that Janelle could be killed or that Janelle could kill David. I'm very worried about either one of those situations. Um, I really like a death happening at the land is very plausible to me. And that is terrifying. I wonder how teen, I don't mean to laugh because it's not funny. It's just so crazy to think that like this is playing out on TV. And also like, where is MTV's ethical obligation here? Like, when do we, do they say like enough is enough? Like we can't have Janelle on the show anymore. But at the same time, like taking Janelle off the show doesn't do shit to protect her. If anything, it probably makes her more vulnerable because she isn't accountable to anybody. Nobody's checking up on her and she's not making any money. So, well, she, I guess, would still make Instagram money. But, yeah, it's it's really, it's really a crazy, like, when, when a death does occur, whether it be Janelle or David's or both via murder-suicide, don't ask me which one is the murder because I'm still not sure, probably David, but some days I do think Janelle, um, when that does happen, where does MTV stand? Now, I think it's more likely that we'll get, unfortunately, Ryan dying first. Um, I really hope when Ryan gets out of jail that everybody is very careful about him using and that there's lots of Narcan at Mackenzie's house. But, you know, I do worry, like, or I do wonder what MTV does if something very serious happens to Janelle. Or what if Janelle just shoots David? Like, what does MTV do? I don't know, guys. Or what if one of the kids gets killed? That's so dark. But it's possible. Do you guys love when I end on um this show on a murder-suicide thought? <laughs> it's so dark. Janelle... Also, Janelle is a bold-faced liar. She's constitutionally incapable of telling you the truth, unfortunately, to use an AA term. Um, and we will never have any idea of what really happened that night. And I don't think the 911 call is 100% evidence. I don't think any story she tells is 100% evidence. Unfortunately, Janelle lies all the time, and it's very hard to know when she's telling the truth. And I think we can all just agree that she's not safe. And I hope that, no, when I say that, like, I believe that she started the fight, like, I hope that you guys don't think that I'm blaming Janelle, because I, I'm not blaming Janelle. I just think Janelle's very unwell and that she's in a very unhealthy relationship and that we know that she uh like is an abusive person herself and so like I think I just it's not I'm I hope I'm clear that I'm not blaming her because I'm not blaming her like Janelle doesn't deserve to be hit ever no matter what happens she does not deserve that and she should not be with David I 100% believe that Janelle and David should break up I just, I, we've seen these fights. You know what I mean? We've seen Janelle have 1,000 fights that start exactly the way that she described it. But we we know Janelle has fights that end more of the way that she described it on the 911 call than the way that she described it in the episode. So personally, I would believe it's like a mix of that's how they had the fight, but he did hold her down and did hurt her in her collarbone. So I think it's, like, a mix. Does that make sense? That, like, she is telling the truth in the 911 call, but then also almost half telling the truth on the episode. I hope it makes sense here. hope you guys don't think that I'm victim-blaming Janelle because I am not attempting to. If you feel that I am, please let me know on Instagram and we can talk about it. And you can also, like, I'll give you the information. You can send in a, a voice note. 
if you want to protest what I'm not protest, but like speak to a different side or let me know that you don't agree with what I'm saying about Janelle. I'm always open to hear that. It's just that this is just like my opinion after watching her for many, many, many years and working in domestic violence situations and working with victims and that I know that domestic violence is very complicated and oftentimes toxic relationships are very complicated and not everything is so black and white as like he... No, I don't want to say that. Not everything is just so black and white and that I do think that Janelle is somebody that tells half truths, basically. And I'm worried for her safety. So yeah, that's it for this week. Let me know. Just let me know if you have issues with what I said. Right now in my head, I'm like, oh, should I just go back and edit this all out? I, I'll be honest, I'm like very scared of putting out a podcast in which people think that I'm blaming somebody for being a victim of domestic violence because I wouldn't want anybody to think that of me. Um, And I wouldn't want people to stop listening to this podcast because of that. Not like for my numbers or whatever, but I wouldn't want people to be like, I can't trust what she says anymore and that I don't like her point of view anymore. I do think about that. And I would hate if that was the case. Um, So yeah, I hope you guys get where I'm coming from. Anyway, have a good week. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychode.